Welcome to episode 36 of season 2 of the Search with Candor podcast. I am your host this week, Jack Chambers-Ward, and I am joined by Jenny Abu Abaya, the SEO Consultant of the Year 2021 for the Middle East and North Africa. Jenny is my very special guest this week, and we will be diving into all things digital PR this week. It's something I had a lot of questions about, and essentially we're going to talk about Jenny's career so far, her journey into digital PR and how digital PR can benefit your SEO efforts. So if, like me, you're more of an SEO generalist and don't know much about digital PR and want to learn a bit more, this is the podcast episode for you. Search for Canada is supported by Systrix, the SEO's toolbox. Go to systrix.com SWC if you want to check out some of their fantastic free tools, such as their SERP snippet generator, href lang validator, being able to check your site's visibility index, and, especially with the helpful content update recently, the all-important Google Update Tracker. Go to systrix.com trends to subscribe to Trendwatch, and systrix.com blog for all of the latest updates and data analysis. And without any further ado, welcome to the show, Jenny Abuabaya. Hello. Hello. Lovely to be here. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you asking me back. That's always nice. Always the sign of an experienced podcast guest right there. <laughs> well, that's it. You've got, I mean, come on. You've got, you've got to ask how the horse is doing. <laughs> rude, not you, wouldn't it? You can tell you've done this before, mate. You can tell you've done this before. So <laughs> if the listeners don't know who you are, please do give a little quick intro and we'll kind of dive into your career and history so far before we get into the main topic of the show. Yeah. Uh, well, my name's Jenny Abobaya. So I have been an SEO for a number of years now. I'll not give it away too much because then I might be giving away my age as well. I'm so talking about what, <laughs> that, the fact that I, I did other things before I jumped into SEO. So, but yeah, so <laughs> basically started out as a writer, uh, got into SEO through working on affiliate sites and things like that. So I understand how other things went along with the content, just got really into it. Worked with clients for a number of years, worked specifically in affiliate for a number of years. Um, probably in the last year or so, shifted over more on the kind of B2B, uh, working with B2B SMEs and things like this. As we're going to talk about today, I have a lot of experience kind of working in digital PR specifically for SEO. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much me. I contribute to lots of SEO blogs, Deeprawl, Ahrefs. Uh, things like that. So yeah, you can, you can probably find me talking about how you can do digital PR on one of those <laughs> platforms as well. It's uh, something I'm really passionate about. So so yeah, so that's that's kind of me in a in a little elevator pitch there, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool because I sent out the tweet looking for new people on the show I've not talked to before and all that kind of stuff. Specifically want to highlight people who are female identifying or people of color, people in the LGBTQ community, all that kind of stuff. Had a lot of people, including some of the guests coming up and some of the guests I've already had on. And you replied to me and I was like, yeah, I know exactly who you are. I've read, I've read some of your blog posts. <laughs> I'd already read you on HREFs and stuff like that. So I was like, excellent. That sounds good to me. 
it's so do you know what it is so it's so funny because it, it's weird because i know like i'm putting these things out and like you know hopefully people do read them but you kind of forget that you mm. kind of think that people don't you know like you're just like you're writing about something you know about and you know you you like sharing the information i mean many years ago i used to be a teacher so i think i've still got that that kind it's deep rooted within us you know I, I love doing webinars and sharing information and stuff because I love teaching so I think and I always forget now people say oh yeah I've seen what you've written on here or what you've written on there and I was like oh really okay that's cool like you, you kind of forget that people are doing that and I'm like oh okay and it, it's funny when people actually reach out to you as well you know like mm. they say oh I just read your article on such and such and like did you you must be the only one <laughs> like i get a little bit excited still so yeah so but yeah i know it's uh it's it's great to be able to come and have an actual chat rather than you know hiding behind an article or whatever just being a face in the corner as the author but have a, <laughs> a little bit of a, a chin wag about it exactly exactly i will pre-warn your listeners jenny and i were just chatting we've been chatting for about 20 minutes <laughs> before we even started recording so this may be a long one. I know I've said that a lot recently yeah. with a lot of the guests I've had on. We've had a few long episodes, but as a pre-warning, yeah, you, we are very chatty. You've got two, two, <laughs> yeah, two people who can talk, <laughs> talking to each other. So that could be, yeah, a, a, a long, a long one. We'll try exactly. not to. I'll try to get to the point. Exactly. Well, shall we dive into, as you said, something you're really passionate about? We'll talk about some digital PR. So you mentioned how you first kind of got into digital PR what was that transition like for you like you said coming from not working in SEO and kind of being more of the writer side of things and then eventually working more in digital PR and now again like you said kind of transitioning more towards consultancy side for businesses and things like that as well that's quite a different sections of your career there so how was that transition when you think when I think about backwards well I mean like obviously yeah I think you already know I used to be a professional dancer and a choreographer so I was going all over the world um, and then when I had my daughter, uh, I needed something that I could do online. And somebody was like, oh, you know, you can you can write and, and edit and stuff like this. They just need native English speakers. As part of my kind of dance career, I had actually done um, my personal training qualification. So I was like, oh, well, it makes sense to kind of write for some fitness websites. That would be, I'm sure I could do that. That, that would be great. So I actually got, had quite a, a bit of success doing that you know got well, built up some clients and people thought you know I was obviously doing an all right job on the writing side um, and kind of fell into writing for one of the affiliate sites for the guys over at Authority Hacker so kind of as part of that they were using that site you know as a lot of us do kind of testing different things as, as things were changing and seeing what was working and that actually kind of drove my interest because I was doing the writing side but then I started doing, um, you know, like writing the skyscraper content for, for outreach and things like that. And it's once you kind of know those things, it's like, oh, okay, how does, so how does that side work then, you know, like, and, and that's where that kind of thing came from. Obviously, you know, as I got more into SEO, I was working a lot with affiliate sites. And I think that's where my side is more of a strategist came from, because especially when you're working on affiliate, whether it be your own or, you know, even if you're working on a client base, a lot of the time, especially for me, I love working with people who are just building up a business. You know, I, I love to help people. So for me, if I can work with someone who this is their side hustle and give them some advice and, and things like that, I think, you know, it's one of those things where you've got to be able to look at how all the different parts go together. And that's where the strategy comes in. And to be honest, I think that's where my 
the PR side of things came in because I was coming from a writing background. I'm now looking at different forms of link building and, and how we can do that and how this is going to push these metrics and, and so on and, and kind of using that from a strategy point of view. And PR just fits into that really, really well in the sense of, you know, especially if you're doing PR, you've got to be able to come up with ideas that journalists are going to like. That's similar to, you know, coming up with ideas for topics for your content and things like this. You're looking at different keywords as to, you're looking at different sites that, you know, maybe you want to target, what kind of things are, are in the media right now, hot topics, which is very similar to doing the content side of things. If you, you know, if you're coming up with new ideas for blog posts and things like that, you've got to be able to write well for journalists who want to pick up what you're writing, <laughs> essentially. And then, you know, you've also got the link building side of, you know, you're, you're trying to target certain websites, you're trying to target certain metrics that are going to move the needle on your side. So it all kind of fits together quite nicely when you when you kind of incorporate it with the SEO, you know. So I think, to be honest, that's probably what piqued my interest. I like learning different things all the time. I'm one of those people. Well, you can probably tell from the fact that I've, you know, had uh, multiple careers and totally different things. So <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm one of these people who's a bit of a forever learner, you know, so kind of seeing, doing my own tests and seeing how things work together and how it can expand that and, you know, how it pushes the needle with maybe metrics that you didn't think it would, uh, how, you know, how all these things fit together. It's just, it's a kind of a constant puzzle, which I think a lot of us as SEOs love. You know, we love anything that we do that's different. That how is this going to affect right? what yeah. I was doing? Yeah, we love it, you know. So it's, I think that's pretty much how I got into it, you know. Um, but yeah, look, I see. I'm talk, talking hind legs off a donkey, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we can start there and we're going to kind of bounce around a bit and talk about a few different sides of uh, digital PR. But my main plan for this episode but with, with Jenny and I is talking about if you're experienced in SEO or you're just starting an SEO and you want to learn a bit more about digital PR and how that connects to SEO specifically and how that can bolster your efforts, whether that's, as you said, working on your own sites, working for clients, working in-house, whatever it is, then we can kind of discuss how those kind of tie together and how digital PR can support maybe your on-page stuff, your other link building efforts and all that kind of stuff and kind of tie it all together. So... I guess, should we start with where digital PR is now in 2022? And kind of my question to you from, you know, your experience over the last few years is, do you think it's more important now than it was sort of two, three, five years ago? Or do you think it's kind of plateaued a bit and other things are coming through and sort of emerging as more sort of dynamic link building efforts? What What's your sort of, I guess, a state of link building in 2022? Like, where is digital yeah. PR now? <laughs> I mean, I think so, 100%. I mean, even, I think if you look at something like when people think about digital PR um, into, as an SEO, most people think about it as link building. Obviously, we'll probably talk about this, it, you know, doesn't just benefit your link building whatsoever, but it is a big part of it. But, you know, when we, when we talk about link building specifically, I mean, we've said before, you know, if people talk about white hat, black hat, all of this malarkey. Um, and it is the truest form of white hat, if you're going to use that term, um, in terms of, you know, what Google deems okay to, to be able to get links. Like if I, you know, the whole, the only way really you should get links essentially is if I'm writing an article about SEO and I want to quote something um, that you've said, then obviously I'm going to link back to you. Mm. This is essentially the, the white hat version of LinkedIn. 
which really, when you think about it, things like reactive um, PR and earned media, that's exactly what that is. It's me as an expert, giving a journalist a quote that they're not an expert in, that they're putting me as the source, and that's how we earn that link. So, I mean, obviously it's been used for a number of years now when you think of something like Help a Reporter Out, uh, Horror as a platform. You know, lots of people have been using that for, for many years. I've been doing on Horror for years now. But especially if you think, I mean, what was it this time last year-ish? We had kind of like a, a spam update, you know, from Google. So when you're thinking about the updates that we're having, a lot of them have been to do with spam links, they've been to do with... Um, obviously we had like the reviews update, we've had ones around AAT and all of that, you know, so there is a focus on how people are being presented as experts in the content that they're putting out, essentially, like whether I'm writing a review that's telling you you should buy a product um, or, you know, I'm giving you advice. Google wants to make sure that anything they're putting forward to their users is from an expert who was being truthful, who was given factual information that someone's not going to take and it's going to, you know, ruin their life in some way. So obviously to be able to use digital PR, to be able to utilize it, to build those links, to put yourself forward as, yes, I am an expert. And um, here's the proof. Here's the digital footprint that shows that I'm an expert. You know, this is not only white hat links and talking about the authority of the websites you can earn those links from, but also, like I say, just being able to kind of counteract future <laughs> updates is the way I look at it. I mean, when mm, I look at yeah. kind of go, go, you know, when I look at Google updates and you always say, you know, we've got a lot now, we've just had the helpful content and then literally like yesterday or something that, they're, you know, they're talking about release of the September one yeah. just because they don't want to give her a break. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, I mean, who needs a break? So, you know, why not pump out all these updates? Like, you know, a lot of times SEOs kind of want to analyze what's already happened. For me, I would rather be ahead of what's going to happen. And I want to make sure that, you know, especially if I'm working with a client or even on my own website, you want to make sure you're not hit by an update. So it's trying to preempt, like, where are, right, the ones that we've had, where does it look like we're going with those? And honestly, I, I genuinely believe, I've been saying this for a few years now, I genuinely believe at some point we're going to see an update like the medic update where, you know, obviously we had the medic update in, what, 2018 or something, um, where, you know, all of these kind of health sites were hit because you had to be, you know, health light or whoever it would be to be able to give that kind of advice. You had to be a medical professional and all of this kind of stuff. I genuinely think we'll say that across all niches, not only Mm. just, you know, your money, your life. But if if you're giving someone advice, regardless of what that's on, then you should be an expert to be able to give that advice, you know. So yeah. you've got to start now showing both your, your site users and search engines that you are an expert. And that is the best, for, for me, the best way to do it is to utilize digital PR. Yeah, I think gathering like authoritative links from authoritative sites is such a key point there as well. But something we touched on before we started recording is also brand awareness. It's not just an SEO yeah. element of that PR, right? PR, before it was digital PR, was entirely about brand awareness and, and being you know, more visible to potential customers, whether that's footfall on a, you know, interviewing people or you know, in a way I'm doing PR right now, interviewing you for a podcast yeah. and stuff. That's a form of PR exactly. as well. <laughs> and exactly. thinking about how that kind of... I think a lot of people come at it from that maybe an old-fashioned point of view or, as you said, come at it from a very SEO point of view and 
forget that they're kind of the same thing and it all kind of works together mm-hmm. in one one big uh, connection, if, if you will. doesn't really matter which way you're looking at it, whether mm. your first focus is building your brand. Like, yes, 100% PR does that, and that's what we want. We want to build that brand awareness. But then you're going to have the secondary benefits of the SEO side of things. Yeah. And similarly, if you're, if you're an SEO and you're like, I want to utilize digital PR in order to boost my SEO efforts, you're still going to get that brand building as a secondary benefit. The, the go together literally like, you know, peas and carrots, if you like. So, <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't essentially have one without the other. It's the, you know, and that's, I think the beautiful thing about it for us as SEOs, I mean, what, what better can you do for your clients? Not only are you trying to hit those KPIs um, and using PR to boost that, but you're also getting the secondary benefit of you're helping them build that brand, even if that's not necessarily your job or your role, you know. I mean, everybody wants to be able to deliver as much as they can, um, especially for clients if you're doing client work. Um, you know, you want to be able to get you, you want to be able to build relationships with clients that are going to last for years. And if you can go above and beyond to do your job and they're going to get secondary benefits on top of the SEO that then work together and also boost the SEO, you know, that's how you're going to build that long-term relationship. And it's the same with site users as well. You know, site users, we all have our websites that we love that are our go-to source of information on a certain topic. So obviously if you're building that brand awareness, and you're also building that authority and, and you're that kind of, you know, top authority source within your niche. You're going to build that repeat traffic. You know, you're going to have people coming back to your website, not only bringing in new traffic. You want to keep the traffic that you've got. <laughs> have those people coming back to your website and build new traffic on top of that, you know. So it's building trust from both the user side of things to the search engine side of things. And like I say, especially if you're an SEO who works with clients, you're also building that trust with your client because it is a lot of trust for, for someone. If I don't know anything and I want to build a business, uh, even if it's a little side puzzle business or whatever, and I really don't know SEO, there's so many people out there that are literally selling, you know, digital Dell boys, as I like to call them, selling their, <laughs> uh, their SEO services out the boot of their virtual car. So <laughs> to me, if you can, you can kind of, above and beyond to do your job and 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 help you know help all of those different channels work together um, and boost the efforts on all different sides then you know that's going to build those relationships that last forever essentially you know so uh, there's just no way it doesn't work together it doesn't help 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 what you're doing as an SEO (laughs) essentially yeah so tying into that I think one of the questions I'd written down earlier and I was thinking about I think there's a few different ways to come at it from a strategic point of view. And like you said, they they work together so well. Do you think digital PR, say you're working on a campaign for a client and you also know that they've got some on-page SEO work happening, so they're, they're updating a particular, say they want to expand a particular product range or one of the services they provide is going to be their focus for their business. So that's the KPI. We need to drive more inquiries for this particular service or more revenue from this range of products or whatever it is. Do you think there is value in there to really kind of focus in and have the digital PR and the on-page stuff all happening at once in the same place? Or should you kind of wait for the on-page stuff to to happen first, say if you're creating new content or whatever it is, and then do the PR, yeah. PR afterwards? Is there kind of a balance there? Should you like target other parts of the site to make sure they're still all singing or dancing? 
kind of thinking about it from yeah. that sort of, like you said, long-term strategy, right? That's that's coming at it from that kind yeah. of point of view. Well, that's the thing. It is it is about thinking long-term. I mean, when I even when I talk to clients or anything like this, if I'm thinking of strategy, I always think of the SEO in the same way as you would think of putting like a, you know, if you're building a business, you're going to say, where do you want to be in three years? Where do you want to be in five years? And I think of SEO like that as well when I look at a website. And so I'm not just thinking about right now, thinking about, right, what's your goals going to be long term? Once we do this, what's going to be next? What's going to be next? And then I can have in the back of my mind, right, this is how we're going to lay things out. Mm. Now, the, be- the best thing to do from a digital PR perspective is, for me anyway, is to be running usually two separate goals at the same time. So all, all of the time, whether it be utilizing digital uh, kind of reactive PR, like the earned media through things like Haro and, and Toggle and all of that kind of stuff, you want to be building up the overall authority of both the website and the people behind it. So usually that can be the CEO, can be the founder, can be the marketing manager, whoever you want. You want to be getting a digital footprint for those all of the time mm. because that you know that's always going to help you, both from the search engine perspective but also from the user perspective, because like obviously if I if I Google a, a company, I expect their website to come up top, but I don't necessarily expect <laughs> the next one to be Forbes and the next one to be yeah, the Telegraph. Yeah. And you know, so that builds that trust that way. And that's that's what you want to be doing in the background all the time. Then on top of that, you can be doing your very specific PR campaigns based around that, you know, individual KPIs. So like you say, obviously if well, want to target a new product range or something like that. It, it does. I'm going to use the SEO term. It depends uh-uh. essentially on what what that kind of is. You know, if it is a case of you're going to put new content together, then you you know you might want to utilize kind of press releases and things like that afterwards. Being like, oh look, we've just launched this. He has a press release about it, kind of thing. Or you know, if it is something like products or something like this where you want to kind of build the buzz as they're coming out, then you might want to do like a proactive campaign or some news jacking or something like this at the same time. So it does very much depend on obviously what it is exactly that you're doing in terms of your timing. But like I say, obviously if you're launching something, usually you you do the launch and then maybe you'll do the PR afterwards. But if you're taking something like, like you say, like a product line or something like this, that's going to come out over a period of time. That's, you know, you can kind of do that in synergy um, and do those things together. So you're building that buzz as it's happening. It's building a little bit of anticipation, um, you know, so depending on what it is that you're actually launching, you can be doing, you can kind of figure out whether it's something you want to build anticipation around or you want to kind of use the PR to announce essentially that this has happened today. Uh, but yeah, but for me, always having that underlying and continuous growth of the the kind of reactive side as well is massively important because just like you know the PR is boosting the SEO the different types of PR are help boost each other on top of that as well you know so kind of that's the way I would normally go about it is that you know we've always got to have that base strategy of we're trying to do reach any opportunity we can to say you know, this person who runs this company is fantastic. They're so knowledgeable. They're the expert, you know, and that could be different people as well. I think that's where people fall down a lot of the time mm. when they are doing things like reactive PR is that they will just focus on having a face of the company, if you like. So that might be the CEO. But actually, if you're looking for expert commentary, 
you know, you can be in, uh, and if you've got a business, you might have a social media manager, you yeah. might have an HR manager, and they can give expert <laughs> commentary in their particular area of expertise. You know, it doesn't just have to be the founder. The founder can talk about business, can talk about entrepreneurship, um, as well as obviously talk about the niche itself. But then, like I say, you can have, especially with a lot of the businesses today, online business, maybe you've got your editor, who is the person who gets their hands so deep in the content and they're, they're the expert voice on your website, on your blog. They can speak very niche specific about, you know, the topic that they're talking about. And like I say, you can have maybe a marketing manager, an HR manager who can jump yeah. in and do that commentary as well. So that, yeah, you know, you're, you're having that whole rounded, um, because, because at the end of the day, I think in this day and age, websites can't just be faceless entities anymore. Businesses, even just yeah. purely online it businesses that can't just be faceless entities will have to have you know people want to know who's behind it is it a real <laughs> business is there really people working there you know um so so yeah i think being able to do that is continuously building you know um it's kind of the domain authority topical authority authority in a sense of you know that, that people are got that expertise to speak on a topic um, and then, like I say, then you can use very targeted campaigns to to work on, you know, once you've got a product launch or, you know, you, you want to announce something, something new in the business, then they can work side by side. Uh, we, I was talking to Alex Hickson about breaking out of your brand bubble. And like you said, not getting kind of stuck in that element of just, oh, only the marketing manager can answer the questions. Don't bother yeah. the HR manager. Don't <laughs> talk to the CEO. Actually, no, You if there is a business opportunity, like you said, the CEO or the founder of the company could have something interesting to say from a business perspective that maybe the marketing manager might not have that relevant to that topic. And something else I also talked about with uh, Olga from SEO Sly, again, episode out in a couple of weeks. I'm recording a lot this week, listeners, so it might be all, <laughs> might be all over the place. But um, yeah, talking about how her transition to, you know, being CEO and founder of SEO Sly and putting her face on her website and being the face of SEO Sly and coming from yeah. working in agency stuff, you don't tend to have that outside of, as you said, like the about page. Maybe you'll see the meet the team page or something like that. Yeah. But suddenly, hello, I am an SEO consultant and you have the exact same thing on SEO with Jenny.com, right? You have your yeah. face there. This is who I am. You know, it's, it's a, as much as it is kind of building that authority, it's also welcoming to new users, right? You, you land on a page and yeah. it's not just a blank logo and all kinds of stuff and like, SEO with Jenny, who's Jenny, straight away, you go on your website, everybody will know straight away who you are, what you do, your experience, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I think that becomes such a big part of brand building that then also turns into that, you know, building that authority. You suddenly, I don't know, see somebody around, like you're flicking through your news on your phone in the morning. It's like, oh, yeah, I do. that's the HR manager from that company. Or, oh, that's the marketing manager yeah. from that company, the CEO of that company. And, oh, they've got a little link in there as well. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's how those two yeah. things are merging do, together. Do you know what, Ed? I think a lot of big, especially bigger companies as well, like, do have a, a, a large team and they have, you know, they have managers for each department and teams under those managers. They don't really think about that. And, like, in the last year, I've worked with a lot of even, like, more SEO-specific companies that, are, you know, have clients and things like this to build up their own PR as well as, you know, offer PR as a service and, and kind of consulted on that. And I mean, there was one company that I was working with specifically 
And that was something that I talked about was the fact that they had a very good brand presence, but it was all, you know, CEO and founder, CEO and founder. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. When their clients come to them, they don't work with the CEO CEO or the founder. They work with the link build manager or the content manager or, you know, the head of SEO or whatever. And, you know, you need to let those people also have a presence and let Mm. those people also be able to share their expertise. Because, you know, if I've seen if I've seen this company everywhere, it looks great, really want to work with them. Fantastic. Okay, now he has such and such who you've never heard of. You can lose that trust instantly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where if it if it's a case of, oh yeah, well, you know, the, the CEO and founder has got his own podcast and they've got a fantastic presence, but also who's been on that podcast, well, that S the head of SEO. Oh, you're gonna work with the head of SEO. I know who they are. I've heard them speak. I know they've clearly got great experience. I feel mm. comfortable now. You know what I mean? You've got to think of it in that way as well as your potential clients, the people that you want to target. And I think a lot of people fall down with digital PR specifically, especially when they are using it uh, for SEO. Because I think as SEO, we get caught up with a lot of metrics. Um, and a lot of the time people focus on the wrong metrics is yep. the problem. You know, yep. that especially when you think of it in terms of link building, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of people that like, you know, when you just want sometimes just want to like put your head in your hands and you're just like, oh, <laughs> no. uh, because you'll have people who would say, you know, I want to use digital PR for just for link building. And I, I want websites that are only a day or 60 plus and yes. all do yeah. follow links. And you're just like, you don't really understand the value of what you're getting. And they're so yeah. focused on these vanity metrics and you know, what's, Somebody on a YouTube video somewhere has told them their vanity metrics will do on their <laughs> website. Rather than his 15 you know, SEO tips you didn't know, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, all, all the, you know all the rubbish I mean? you it, see on TikTok and stuff like that. God. Yeah, like all of this kind of stuff. And it's the people get it stuck in their head because they you know, with the best intentions because they want to do well, you know, that and they're trying to be have a little bit of involvement in, in what they're, they're getting. Uh, so, you know, you do have people come to you like, this is what I want, and it's trying to. Make people understand that that's not the important side. I mean, when you think about it, if, you know, I've had people literally say, oh, I don't want, I wouldn't want a link on Forbes if it's, if it's a no follow. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, mate, come on, man. Like, do you know, you you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's one of those things where to me, people don't get it. You know, like, for example, if you've got, say you've got a cybersecurity company. And you're you're wanting to you know do it's like a SaaS brand, and you want to do cybersecurity for for big name brands out there. The people you're targeting are the CEOs, the founders, the C-suite level employees. Mm. Getting the link on cybersecurityweekly.com that might have be dr62 on Ahrefs has you know <laughs> three hundred and twenty six <laughs> hits a button, like it. Because it's a do follow, it's not going to do the same for you. Not only in terms of building the authority of your website is getting a link on Forbes or Business Insider or Entrepreneur.com. Yeah. Uh, is a is no follow, which, by the way, is going to have significantly more clout than the, the little ones from, uh, from, you know, Cybersecurity Weekly. But also it gets you in front of the right people. Those are the publications that the CEOs, the C-suite levels are going to be reading. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's about, I think people get caught up in, you know, presenting the wrong people sometimes. 
um, like I say, only focusing on, you know, the top level person and not people who are actually going to be dealing with their, their ideal customers every day. But also things like topic relevance rather than being relevant to your audience. You know, certainly in SEO, we are very heavy on, you know, one topic relevance or want Google to understand what our website's about. And yes, that that is the case. But at the same time, you can drive topic relevance without being on a very niche-specific site in terms of getting a link from there. I could be talking about SEO on Forbes. You know, yeah. I don't need to. I don't need to look at. And to me, if it's a website that I don't need to look at Ahrefs to know that it's got a high authority. <laughs> you know, those are the kind of sites you want links from, no yeah. matter what. Like, is it you a know, household like, name you you've heard of straight away? Probably good to have 100%. a link from it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, I don't need to think. Oh, let's go to Ahrefs and see what what Dior Forbes has got. You know, like it's one of those things where it, getting caught up in the in the wrong metrics mm. is going to, you know, put you off on the wrong foot straight away. And I think that's that's kind of where a lot of people slip up when, especially when they are using PR for SEO. And a lot of the time, that's probably why you know, they don't have longevity and success because it's it's like anything in SEO. People tend to give up if it doesn't show results. But if you've got the wrong metrics and things like that that you're focusing on, you're not going to get the results you need and you're not really going to see how much it can literally skyrocket what you're doing on the SEO side just by, you know, getting the right link from the right website that is putting you in front of the right people. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your business is. 99.9% of the time, the KPIs, whether it be from a client or for your own business, the KPIs have got something to do with traffic, uh, like leads and mm. sales. It, yeah. That's the end result. We all want leads, we all want sales. That's the end of it. So, yep. you know, what is the point in getting a link of a certain metric site with no traffic that, all right, it might boost your, might, might boost your DR on interest by one point, for example. <laughs> or... Getting a link on something that makes everybody sad up and go, oh, haven't heard of them before. Who are mm. they? And suddenly starts driving traffic to your website. Suddenly yeah. starts getting the inquiries through. Do you know what? Even if those leads don't turn into sales, but that has significantly more value than, you know, a certain metric that someone said yeah. once will do something fabulous for your website, you know? Yeah. I think there's a counter side to that as well. Like you said, you get people who get stuck into that DR I don't want anything less than a 60. There's no point. Pointless. Yeah. But on the other side of that, maybe there are some incredibly specific things where you it is the right audience for you. And you would get yeah. an engaged audience who, say, like you get 500 people coming from, like you said, like Cybersecurity Weekly or whatever it is, and you get yeah. 10,000 coming from Forbes. But maybe for you and your specific niche, Cybersecurity Weekly is yeah. exactly the right thing. And you could actually potentially get more conversions more customers from there yeah so it's kind of like that's, balancing that's that right thing. that's why you don't want to just 100%. lean on one metric or another it's understanding everything in context and how it all works together and the relationship between the growing of the seo the pr and like you said we're all here to make money at the end of the day we're, we're in yeah. it's marketing whether it's digital marketing or yeah. not at the end of the day it's marketing and we're here to help our sites or our client sites or whatever it is make more money <laughs> yeah well, that's the thing. I mean, to me, I, I say to people all the time, even when it comes to traffic, if that traffic doesn't give you any result, it's still a vanity metric. Mm. I can get 
a million people coming to my website every month. If I don't get one lead, yeah, it's not qualified. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it doesn't convert anything, then it's just a it's a ban it's oh look, I got a million traffic last month. Great. How many how many sales did you get? None. Oh well. You yeah, know, it's exactly. not qualified traffic then. It's not it's still a vanity metric, you know. So it's that that tends to be the issue is people focusing on vanity metrics as I like to call them. And like I say, that can be anything if it doesn't give you the end result that you need. It yep. you know. So like you say, you could get a link on a fantastic site, but if it's not gonna drive qual like qualified traffic, then you know, maybe it's that that smaller yeah. site. It is gonna be better for you because if a hundred percent of those leads convert versus having ten thousand leads where one convert, then that you know that makes the difference. So it's it's being able to look at all of those things, like you say, and and kind of use that as a strategy as to right what what can we do here for? And there's so many different things. I mean, we're talking about the link building, but there is so many different ways that it it works for SEO. And uh, you know, so what what can we do to target this? This particular thing that we want to boost, what can we do to target the link side of things that we want to boost and, and all of that? It's being able to look at it from a kind of bird's eye view, if you like, and see. Yeah, the bigger picture, right? Yeah, where can it benefit those different things that, you know, are going to really hit those KPIs, if you like? Yeah, definitely. So we've touched on a couple of different techniques and, and variations there. So let's dive into them a little bit more detail. You mentioned kind of Harrow and that kind of stuff and the more <laughs> reactive kind of things. How would you kind of approach like building a strategy for a client? Let's say we're working with a new client and they've come to you for a digital PR strategy and to help them build these things. Would you kind of have those kind of like reactive stuff bubbling away in the background while you're working on sort of a bigger long, long-term campaign? Can those things kind of work together simultaneously or would you kind of tend to focus on one certain reaction or then shift over the next month or in the next six months to work on a longer campaign? What's the kind of strategy from your perspective there usually for me and i mean obviously this would depend on the size of your client and how mm. well established they are and all of the course, rest yeah. of it but <laughs> for me specifically I, te- I tend to work with usually younger sites so people who are just building their businesses up they don't have a brand presence and things like this so for me what we tend to do is there's always reactive stuff going on from the get-go from the very beginning and with that reactive stuff as well like I said before, this is not just CEO or founder. So I need at least four people that we can put forward for different things. We want HR manager. We want, yeah, you know, chief operating officer, a marketing manager, as well as your CEO or founder. So CEO and founder, they're going to target everything from business queries, entrepreneurship, how you're starting businesses, all of that kind of thing. We're going to have a marketing manager that's going to talk about, you know, hit anything that's marketing-related, essentially. But, you know, there's lots of queries all the time about, you know, how you can use social media for your business and and all of this kind of thing. And we'll usually have a chief operating officer to do very niche-specific. So, you know, if they're looking for something that they have expertise in. Um, And then, like I say, like an HR or someone who can give commentary on, you know, Especially in the last couple of years, there's been loads of stuff around, you know, remote working and how you deal mm. with your staff, how how you can make your staff feel inclusive, even in a remote or hybrid environment. And we want to be able to target as much as we possibly can to build up, like I say, the authority of the brand itself, but also the people behind it to give that whole kind of sphere there. And then 
alongside that, we usually look at some kind of proactive campaign, usually on a 90-day basis. So a lot of the ones that I do tend to be very data-driven. So, you know, might do, um, I did one uh, recently for a client um, that was in the HR niche, actually. And we did, you know, we'll come up with the idea of, right, since, since COVID, since everybody's applying for jobs online, a lot of that interviews are via Zoom mm. and things like this. It's very different how it used to be. Are people lying on their CV? Because I was thinking, <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure, very sure people are like, you know, because a lot of people lost their jobs and they had to suddenly find other work that, you know, maybe did, you know, maybe they'd worked in Morrison's for 35 <laughs> years, right? Yeah. And it's like, now I need to do something. But all I've ever done is work in Morrison's for 35 years. Mm. So how am I going to get a job today in an office environment, for example, online and things like this, you know? So I, that was my kind of thinking around it. So did a, did a big, um, in the UK specifically, did uh, a big poll on it with Pollfish, um, over 2,000 people. And it was actually really astounding to find that we found results of lots of people had been lying on their safe face specifically to, to boost that experience because they didn't have yeah. experience in other things. A lot of those people still had the job and had never been caught out um, mm. and things like this. So we built uh, two campaigns around that. We built, we did basically a full, you know, filled piece of content on the results with a nice, lovely infographic breaking down the data sets and things like this. And then we ran two campaigns. So we ran them from one from the employee perspective and one from the employer's perspective. So ah, as nice, an employer, yeah. yeah, as an employer, as, as the HR department or whatever, what should you be doing to to kind of increase your, you know, your checks and things like this as you're Keep going an eye through? Out for that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, you know, obviously, especially in the UK, hiring people is expensive if mm. you're a, a company, you know. So, you know, you can lose money by hiring the wrong people. So we've done this poll. We've found out people are like, what what additional checks can you be making if you're doing these things remotely? But then also on the employee's perspective, it, you know, it, it, are we really faking it until we make it <laughs> kind of thing? You know, like apparently we are. So we're able to run those two different campaigns and target totally different media outlets by running those two different campaigns and those campaigns got picked up naturally by sites like yahoo msn as well as you know some of the big hr um websites and things like this as well as some of the the local news sites like telegraph and, and mm. you know, metro and things like that yeah, yeah. so being able to come up with campaigns that you can have maybe a dual perspective on is really good. And it does take a little bit longer. Like I say, you tend to run one of those maybe every 90 days by the time you're coming up with the the idea and you're putting everything together, you're running the poll, you're collecting that data in, you're coming up with the headlines, you're putting together, you know, your content around that. And then, you know, you're putting out press releases and, you know, you're reaching out to different media outlets to share it, things like this. It does take a little bit more time. So usually doing those kind of ones and then, like I say, having that, um, reactive and uh, media side of things bubbling away all the time is really complimentary and it's you know it's always it means that something's always going on you're always getting links from different places you're always being featured so you know you're, you're popping up left right center with a digital footprint yeah i think that's an interesting thing to have that kind of bubbling away because i often feel like so many people kind of the, the example i gave at the beginning like 
I kind of guessed where you were going to go with it of like have that always have that bubbling away in the background but I think a lot of people as we say like focus on one thing and then suddenly switch over to one thing like oh I've done my SEO uh, like initial technical stuff and that's all kind of cleared up on the site yeah now I move on to link building for six months and then I'll move on to on-page stuff and the same is true even within that link building side of it where I think you'll get some people who really focus on that reactive stuff so they just answer Arrow and Turkle and all that kind of stuff, but don't yeah. actually build those long-term campaigns. And then you get the other side where people build long-term campaigns, but then ignore Harrow and all that other stuff as well. So yeah. I think it's a really good idea to kind of tackle it from both sides, right? And as you said, you're always then at the forefront, whether that's from smaller sites, bigger sites, whatever it is, you're getting that kind of consistent basis coming through. And yeah again if you are measuring kpis and stuff it's like oh how many links have you built for me this week to your client and all that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> that, well, that that's always the there's always numbers behind it <laughs> yeah well this is this is the thing with the reactives that i think a lot of people don't think about as well is the fact that i mean if i if i'm doing reactive for pr for a client i tell them first and foremost don't expect to see anything for six to eight weeks because mm. what you've got to remember is if you're using a platform like Toggle or like Hor or, or any of the other ones that are out there, be that paid or, paid or free, uh, you've got to remember if I'm a journalist, I'm putting that in now, I'm going to give a deadline of when I can get all of these, you know, query responses. I've then got to sift through all of those, which I mean, are, you know, hundreds of thousands I, probably. I really don't honest, envy journalists days. on the end of I, these things. No, I don't <laughs> at all. So you've got to get through all of those to find, I mean, you know, and to be honest, these is especially horror, it's so saturated. They must have to wade through so much crap to, you know, it's literally a needle in a haystack. So you've got to get through all of those. Then it's got to get on the content calendar. They've got to get it written out. And then once it's written, it'll be edited. And then it'll go into a publication line, <laughs> you know. So it could, it's, it's quite easily two months before the query answered is actually mm. published. I mean, I literally had one published today that I wrote in me. You know, <laughs> it, it's easily done. And yeah. if when you've been doing this a long time, you do, I mean, what I did over the years, and I've got friends who do PR who've done the same thing, and we've, you know, we help each other out and stuff, and we've built up databases. So we've got, you know, databases of the websites, who the journalist is, how, what's the turnaround time? Because you do have some that are quick wins. You know they're going to bash them out like this. You know, I want the response by Friday. It's going to be on the website by Monday, this kind of thing. You have the ones that take months and months because they're doing their content, you know, calendars way in advance. Um, and you have, you know, you, you you build up that kind of that kind of database like that. It does help you to navigate where you can have your quick wins. So if you've got a, you know, you've got a new client, you might want to put in a couple of those quick wins just to show them you're getting some results back. Because <laughs> obviously, you know, but you want to build those ones with longevity as well. And, you know, when you're doing that, you can you can use something like Ahrefs, for example, to be checking out the traffic, to be making sure that they don't look dodgy, they don't have dodgy backlink profiles. Because yeah. pretty much anybody can post on Haro. You know, I could post on Haro tomorrow yep. that I'm looking for people in that. I'd write anything up. You'll get cheeky ones little cheeky so-and-sos that'll put on you know they'll put on a query and you'll spend your time and they'll say got 10 questions for you can you answer these in expo you'll spend a good hour putting these questions together and you'll not even get a link you'll not get mentioned they'll just use that to write their article yeah. you know so yeah. you've you've got to take your time you've got to remember these things happen as well and even the best of other people have been at this for years i mean the highest kind of the highest kind of turnaround rate i've had is about one and three one and four 
So I'm having I had to send four pitches to get one win. Mm. You know, so you have to have it bubbling away all of the time. I've seen too many people over the years where, you know, they've done they've they've wanted horror done on their website and they've they've let it go for a month. Oh well I didn't get I didn't get enough for us. They come back here within two months. Oh well I had twelve links come up after that on really good website, you know. So it's you have to take all of those things into consideration that if you are doing it and you really do want to get those results of really being able to access some of the biggest websites mm. um with some of the highest authority within your niche, within a business niche and th- things like that, you know, you have to kind of put that effort in all the time. It has to be it has to have longevity because it's not something you can do for two months and expect to get great results. I mean, you might get great results, you might get the odd one, but the good thing about utilizing the the earned media side of things is, especially now, this is a bit of an insider tip, I suppose, but now, Haro especially, um, is very, very saturated. You've got yeah. lots of companies in India and places like this where, you know, that putting out 100 pictures a day. doesn't matter. It's relevant. It's not relevant. Now, imagine being a journalist for, for that, you know. So journalists are try, trying to find their own sources through those means. And I honestly think that the car will either go to being something that is paid, it's not going to be free anymore, or it'll die a death because journalists don't want to be just hammered with pictures that are totally not relevant. So, you know, you need to make sure, A, that your pictures are relevant. You're only pitching things. Don't just fling stuff at a wall and see what sticks. <laughs> like, really take take your time to pitch things that you think you can win because you are the expert on that. Because journalists are blacklisting people. If they get, you know, you've got to think a lot of these journalists are working from every three, four publications. They're not just for one. So if, if they say my name come up six times, for different queries and not one of them is relevant. They're just going to say, thank you so much. I don't want to hear from you again. So I'm going to miss out on that opportunity when something does come up that is relevant. And at the same time, we had, I had one a day, um, that pitch for WebMD, the journalist came back and now they've said to me, can I just come directly to you from now on? You know, and that's a big website, you know, so that they're trying to filter in that way because it's so much easier for journalists to use, to use horror or whatever for a couple of months. Find these people who are really relevant or genuine experts can answer the questions that they're putting out there and just say, do you know what it is? Those answers were great. Can I just come back to you again next time when I've got something, you know, so it's definitely worth sticking in there for the long game because if you're, if you do, you know, you're, the chances are. Um, I mean, I've got a friend, I'll not say what niche it's in, but um, mm. she's been working for a client for quite a while now and she's literally built hers up to the point where, because it is very niche specific, she went after all those really niche specific ones on really big websites and now she doesn't even have to use horror or anything and she's, she's spending that time literally just responding to the journalists that are coming directly to wow. her. Wow, yeah. You know, so that that makes all the difference. Yes, you've got to put the time in to do that. You've got to spend the time pitching the right journalists, pitching the right queries, being able to portray yourself as an expert. And a lot of the time now, especially in horror, you'll find those ones are ones where the journalists will say, I want you to answer 10 questions. Because I tell you what, so someone in India who's like taking, you know, 20 cents a pitch is not going to spend that time, spend an hour oh, responding to questions. something that's 10 questions, <laughs> you know? So this is the way that that 
that journalists can try and filter mm. people out who aren't relevant, who are working as an agency or whatever, if you like. Um, another way they're doing it is they're putting the queries in the morning edition and saying they need them answered by the end of the day that day because they know people on the other side of the world are probably asleep at that time. So by the time they get it, they're not actually going to, you know, they won't have time to respond. So you've got to look out for these little tricks that the journalists are trying to do to filter out irrelevant responses, which I don't blame them. One no, iota, because I tell you what, oh my goodness, I can't imagine having a... a I mean, it's just so, you know, I can't imagine anything more frustrating where you're like, oh, whenever, not relevant. And you could you can easily spend a good few hours opening responses that not one of them has been relevant, not one yeah. of them has been worth putting in their article, which is just, you know, must be incredibly frustrating. So it is worth doing the long game, essentially, but just just be careful how you do it. Do it the right way. Like I say, don't don't try and pitch everything. Make sure you've got different people, um, like personas of people who you can pitch for, like I say, who are relevant, and then only go for the things that you think is winnable. Right, if I spend an hour answering these 10 questions, is it likely that that's going to get used? If the answer is yes, go for it, 100%. And if the, like I say, if the journalist loves it, they're likely to come back and say, hey, that was great. Like, mm. can we just, you know, would you mind responding to something else? I'll just reach out to you directly. I'd love to, Flower, no problem. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, it, it's so, it, it is really worth it because you just never know what you're going to get. Um, I mean, I've had ones recently on things like Zapier um, and stuff mm. like that working off of Haro. There's a few different platforms, I think, that are coming out of the woodwork as I think people are realising that Haro is a bit oversaturated. And yeah. I think that's, probably, you know, that I don't don't know if that's where Turkle came from, but, you know, Turkle is one of those alternatives that does have different queries. It's not just pulling them from Haro. Um, and, you know, you're getting journalists saying like, right, well, maybe I'll try this one because maybe I'm not going to get bombarded, you know. So I'll try putting it on here instead and you can get fantastic ones one i've been working with is uh is a little exclusive it's called b2b uh help a b2b writer mm. free 100 comes to your comes to your email every day and these are b2b businesses genuine businesses that want you know ceos founders experts from other businesses to comment for their blog and things like right, that right. so you are getting you know really big name websites of big you know, you've got things like monday.com posting on there and like mm. Zapier and, and those kind of websites, which, you know, if you're a SaaS brand, for example, and you get a, a link on monday.com, as long as, you know, your SaaS isn't essentially competing with this, it's, <laughs> it's, it's you know, it's hugely relevant and it's it's hugely a big authority website, you know. So it, it's one of those things where, like I say, you can do so well with it, but you have to go about it the right way and you really do have to be in for the long game. And sometimes, especially if you're working with clients, being able to convince them of that is not always the e easiest thing in the world because, you know, like most things in life these days, people like instant gratification. So if someone's paying you money to do a job that they're not seeing results for the first two months, that can be difficult oh, to kind of get over where the benefit story is. of seo right <laughs> yeah essentially so you know but at least i think obviously when you when you're looking at when you're looking at any other part of seo 
you know, if you're doing an audit, you can kind of show them, you know, what you've done from the audit and you've got reports and we've got tools nowadays that at least can, you know, they can show whether you've had an increase in traffic or even if it's marginal to show that mm. you are getting some uptick somewhere where obviously with the reactive PR, it can be difficult, but it's definitely worth it when you can turn around to a client and go, right, I've just getting you as a, you know, go-to expert on WebMD, for example, you know, they're going to be happy with that at the end yeah. of it. Or I've just had you featured on entrepreneur.com or, or whatever that, you know, those are the kind of things that they couldn't have done themselves. So it is definitely, definitely worth it, especially from, I mean, from the link building side, unless you're willing to pay, pay through the nose <laughs> for someone, uh, you know, give you a guest post or whatever on, on one of those kind of websites, you're not really naturally going to obtain those kind of links unless it's through some form of digital PR, whether that be a proactive campaign that really, you know, really takes off and goes viral or whatever, or from the reactive side. There's there's just no way you can replicate that other than, you know, using those methods in a more traditional link building sense, if you like. Yeah, that perfectly leads on to my next question, which was about the different types of link building techniques. You mentioned doing guest posting there and how that it kind of differs to digital PR. So the ones I kind of made a note of in my show notes that I, I kind of thought of were different examples. So thinking of things like unlinked mentions, reciprocal links, uh, having a look at like competitor gap analysis and stuff like that. How much of that kind of goes into the planning of digital PR and what do you think like where the advantages and disadvantages are there for, you, like you mentioned straight away, like you're more likely to get those, uh, get into a higher authority publication without having to pay through the nose for a guest post yeah. by doing it through digital PR and coming through that way. So what do you think are some of the sort of common advantages and disadvantages for those different types compared to digital PR? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, digital PR now is really broadened shoulder to shoulder with, I mean, we used to say that because a lot of the kind of reactive stuff, for example, Previously, especially if you're doing it through Haro, you would only build links to the root domain. So you'd only build links to, you know, the homepage of the website. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to build links to specific pages, which, you know, that's where kind of your, your niche edits or your, your guest posts and things like this would come in. But now, because there's so many different platforms that do compete with Haro and, you know, especially in the paid platforms as well, um, which, you know, a lot of them aren't huge huge costs i mean there's a one that i use specifically for uk link building uh called press plugs which is about 40 40 quid a month or something like this not a huge cost but those kind of ones you can actually link to individual pages you mm. just tell them what links you want to put on there so that might be to your about page it might be you know if you're looking specifically to kind of boost yeah you know the authority of your your staff and things like that or it can be the specific pages if you're looking at boost kind of uh, domain authority and things like that of a specific page um so yeah so in that in that sense to be honest most of the time now digital PR is the only thing I do I don't mm. look to do guest posts not anything like that anymore um just because there's just not the need I can yeah. get better links um you know other than the cost of your time and the effort that it takes to get those links, obviously that is a cost. Um, but there's not a, even if you're doing a guest post, you've got that side of it as well. You've still got to write, write it. You've still post. got to research it. Yeah, <laughs> you've exactly. Got to do the, you've got to do, you've got to do the research. You've got to do the outreach. You've got to, yep. you know, you've got to do all of that. If you're doing it the right way, 
Um, plus, but then, you know, the webmaster is going to want an administration fee for their time <laughs> of, of, of putting that on. Cough, cough, Google. Um, you know, so where, and to be honest, that administration fee is going to be significantly high for the kind of websites that you get through uh, using, you know, digital PR tactics. Where So to me, and the thing is, you know, we can get into a deeper conversation as well about the longevity of those links. Do those mm. links live forever? Yeah. You know, and things like that, where if you're targeting the right sites or with digital PR, you're going to get significantly more longevity from those links. You know, you're not going to get link decay um, that, you, that you're more likely to get with things like guest posts and stuff like this, you know. So it's, it's it, it, to me, it's overtaken. And I think, I think, you know, this is probably the argument where someone will say, I had this, I actually had this conversation with Craig Campbell uh, when he was doing a live the other week. And I said, like, you know, can, do you think digital PR can, can overtake traditional link building? Because I'm biased and I genuinely think it will. Um, but, you know, there is the argument of if you're using um, reactive PR specifically, for example, you can only answer the queries that are there. It's not like a guest post that can reach out to the, mm. the website that can, you know, discuss the topic that they don't already have or can negotiate having that, that guest post put on there. With reactive specifically, you know, I can only answer the queries that are there. I can't yeah. make a journalist write something that makes sense. So if someone wants 50 links a month, for example, are you going to be able to get this through those methods? Now, if you use combined digital PR, 100%, if that's your KPI, that client wants 50 links a month, yes, you can. Um, and also, if you're using, you know, if you're an agency or you're a freelancer even that is doing this, you know, you're really investing in doing this as your service and you invest in those paid platforms so you do have alternatives to haul and stuff like this, yes, you can, again. But again, it's, the, it's, it's also being able to, I think in those terms, for me, it comes into being able to manage the expectations of the client because there is so much more value from the authority side, from the AAT, from the quality of the link, from the lack of link decay of, of an individual link I can get from digital PR versus getting 50 links from crappy guest posts. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, it's definitely. about being able, to, I think it's being able to both manage expectations and being able to educate the people you're working with as well around, you know, why I'm doing this, what what value it has, and that, yes, we need that longevity because you're not going to see those results immediately, but just like you would with any other part of SEO, with the technical, with the on-page, you know, you have to be able to educate your clients and, and manage their expectations appropriately to be able to get the best possible results. So, I mean, and I think, to be honest, this will go forward when, like I say, when we look at things like, you know, how well it boosts your AAT, because, you know, you are building expertise, authority and trust through gaining those links, you, through the quality of the links that you're gaining. And, um, you know, when we look at the, the, the updates that we've had, to me, it's going in the direction that even if it doesn't wipe out traditional link building altogether, it's going to become more and more important in SEOs go forward. More and more people are going to kind of have to get on the bandwagon and understand how the different... Uh, parts of digital PR work and how they can utilize those for their SEO results, how they can boost that on page with a digital PR campaign, how they can, you know, the off page, how they can, how they can really, you know, put a stamp on the AAT and, and all of this kind of thing. 
Um, it just does so much for your SEO. And like I say, if you try and envision where where kind of Google updates are going to go, um, I can I can see it being a really core part um, of what SEO work as SEO is being able to utilize that digital PR, whether it be working simultaneously with an outside digital PR team or integrating it in your, your off-page strategy as a go-to off-page strategy. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think with just the way Google is pointing with all of these recent updates, we've, been, we've talked about EAT a lot previously on the show and a lot this episode as well. And as we said, we've had helpful content update. We've had the spam updates. We've had product review updates for the September core update this week. Like There's so much stuff and they're very clearly pointing towards, as you said, leaning towards this long-term longevity, building authority and expertise over longer periods of time. And I remember we talked about the um, era link building, state of link building report a few episodes ago. And it was kind of like a big consensus and a, and a review across a lot of different agencies and a, and a lot of different consultants and all that kind of stuff. And I was surprised there was, I think it was like nearly 50% of people said they were using guest posting actively as part of their like strategy. And I, I agree with you. Again, I don't work in digital PR, but from the people I know who do, whether that's, you know, on the Canda team or outside of Canda and people I know on Twitter or in person or whatever it is, I totally agree with you, Jenny. I think digital PR is very much going to be the one that sticks around. How yeah. Harrow sticks around and stuff like that is a different question. But <laughs> that being yeah. able to build that authority and, and being able to establish your name in your industry just makes so much more sense. And even things like like chasing unlinked mentions and all that kind of stuff. I've done that previously yeah. in, earlier in my SEO career and would spend hours and get absolutely nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like they, you yeah. get those. Yeah. You put in so many, so much hours and so many, so much effort, and get no links whatsoever. Whereas you could have spent that time researching, building a campaign, or even answering reactive PR questions that way, and gotten yeah. you know five times the links, ten times the links, and higher authority, better, more interesting stuff there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think to, the best way to think about it is like. You know, would would you have these conversations about white hat and grey hat and all this malot? But like, can Google argue with it? Google can't argue with digital PR. The way you're attaining <laughs> those links, it can't argue that that's that's not a genuine you're way. Providing to get a link. genuine value to it to those users. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Ex expert commentary. You've put yourself out there as an expert, and also when we think about EAT, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people don't really understand AAT that deeply and oh, we've got to remember yeah. that essentially essentially AAT is is just guidelines for their search quality rate and stuff you know mm. so like that there those are real people that you know if if i'm ranking top of google for something somebody's just going to check that is this right you know does this meet these guidelines and they're real people so again if they they and, look and at their me, guidelines and were the updated recently as well weren't they so yeah yeah exactly so you know that it's it's whether it be whether it be you know those particular people Google as an algorithm as an entity or you know real users or whatever. If you can kind of put yourself out there with a digital footprint on genuine high authority websites as a go to expert, nobody can argue with your expertise. Mm. I mean, even when we look at like taking SEO as an example, I mean when I started writing for Atrips. I only did it initially because 
in total honesty as a woman in SEO, I can't tell you the amount of times I've had someone come to me and oh, say, you God. know, oh, I'd like to I'd like to work with you. But what I want you to do is basically Matt Diggity, uh, he brought it out this thing. Can you just do it exactly how he says? And they're not interested in hearing what you've got to say as an SEO, as a as a strategist. Nothing. And like, I mean, I love Matt Diggity, what he does and stuff like that. And probably <laughs> probably what I would do would probably be exactly the same as what he would do anyway. Do you know what but I mean? But it's just point. not the point. <laughs> no, it's not. So that's the only reason I, I started doing it because I just thought, well, you know, I could start a YouTube ta- channel and tell everyone I'm fantastic. But that's just my opinion. Where like to me, if you're being featured by, you know, big name companies in your niche specifically, then, you know, that's that's that little bit of trust. It's that bit of authority that, well, this person obviously thinks they're an expert because they've let them write on their website or whatever, you yeah. know. So it's, this, it's exactly the same as that regardless of what your business is, regardless of what niche you're working in. That is ex- essentially what you're doing. You're, you're allowing, because we all start as nobody, essentially. If you've got no <laughs> digital footprint, yeah. if you've got no digital footprint, even if you you know you've you've worked in your industry for fifty years, if nobody's heard of you, you're still a nobody to you know the average Joe use in the internet. So you've got to start somewhere, and we'll have to have those big names that average Joe has heard of saying, "Oh well, this person's an expert, and I featured them talking yeah. about this on my website." You know that that's essentially what you're doing, and I think you've got to think of it in that way. And if you do think of it in that way, and like I say, you, you utilize these strategies. I mean, I still I still look at it from, as an SEO. I'm still going to do a gap analysis on that backlink. I'm still yeah, going to look yeah. at, you know, I'm still going to look at, okay, if these are your competitors, you know, even using DR as an example, what DR levels are these websites that are top ranking? Well, where are most of their links coming from? Mm. Are they all DR 70 plus? Right, well, we're probably going to need to target those high level websites you know we we'll, we'll want a varied battling profile so we're going to look at different websites that we can target through digital pr and things like this you have to still have a strategy behind it as an sao um in the same way you would with guest posts not anything else but it's just utilizing those different techniques which undoubtedly over the years will probably evolve and change and like we say you know it might not be horror anymore it might be something else and and whatever but Certainly going forward, I think in terms of getting the best possible links you can that are doing the most for your website, not only in building your own domain authority, um, but building your authority as an expert, the people behind your brand, building your brand, building AAT. It's just endless, you know, and all of those things, when you're doing it consistently alongside, you know, a strong SEO strategy with your on-page, your technical, you will see a massive boost. I, I can't I can't tell you the amount of tests I've done where, you know, I've done the same thing. You can have two comparable websites that are in the same kind of position, same kind of age. You've got the same SEO strategy in terms of on-page and technical. They can even be in the same niche. I've done them in the same niche before. But using the same keywords, building different content, but targeting the same keywords and everything. And the, the boost in, in KPIs in terms of traffic and all of that kind of stuff on the websites that utilize digital PR is massive. I mean, mm. I've seen jumps in, jumps in traffic of 127% in a month yeah. just from a website that's starting to get that pick up from the digital PR and starting to get that boost, you know, and... You, you can look at all the different tests. I mean, you know, I'm sure 
HRS and places like this have done tests on, you know, the amount of referring domains versus how much traffic and all of this kind of stuff. But just as someone who does digital PR as a, as a part of that strategy, naturally, you know, I wouldn't think of doing an SEO strategy without including di- digital PR as part of it. I can tell you that, you know, you'd be surprised at how much in the background it does for the SEO, mm. you know, and then you're not even thinking about the fact that it is building a brand. It is making those people behind the, the company yeah. home and things like this. And I mean, I've had people reach out, you know, I've been behind the persona of the, the, the CEO or whatever. And I've seen it where, you know, companies have started reaching out to, to the email of the CEO to go on podcasts to do mm. this because they've seen the mentioned on you know, whatever website that's been very niche specific, would love to get you on my podcast and stuff like this. And then what you're doing essentially, if you can build it up to that point where people are asking you for podcasts, they're coming to you rather than the person in Harrow, they're coming directly to you. You've set that little, that little, you know, digital PR train. <laughs> oh, you know, like yeah, it's yeah. you're doing the, you're putting the work in to do the work for you. Essentially, you know, that's going to start rolling. And it's going to be a heck of a lot easier and you're going to get much better opportunities that are actually coming to you. You're attracting those opportunities by putting the work in initially, you know. So, I mean, who who doesn't want that? I mean, if people, you know, <laughs> if every SEO had websites like WebMD and Forbes and people like this coming to them and saying, can I give you a link on my website? You'd bite their arm up. Do you know what I That's mean? That's the dream, so, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't go wrong in that sense. I don't know if I've just sold digital PR to loads of SEOs there, but honestly, that's that I, I'm too passionate about it, to be honest. I get on the soapbox. But, uh, but no, really, I mean, who who doesn't want to be able to do that for themselves or for their clients? Do you know what I mean? And especially yeah, I've worked with people, you know, I've worked for years with, with uh, affiliate sites and stuff like that. And when you think as someone who's, you know, starting an affiliate site, I mean, I worked with loads of people over COVID and I, I can't, you know, I can't talk about the benefits of an affiliate site enough, to be honest. I love affiliate SEO just in the fact that I believe anybody can do it. And when you look at something like COVID, I mean, I met a guy who had been a dentist and his dentist practice shut down and started an affiliate website about dentistry. Do you know what I mean? Right, and yeah. like you can you can build a business with your own expertise mm. and you can do it over time. And yes, it might take longer to do, but it doesn't have to cost you a fortune even. If you know how to utilize these platforms for digital PR, you can build yourself up as an expert. You can utilize your own experience to write content. And yes, it might come to a point where you are starting to make money and it's going well and you can bring people in to do that. But I mean, if, you know, that's a dream in itself, you know, and give people physical and financial freedom. So being able to have these strategies that can, you know, essentially run not run themselves you still have to be the strategist behind it but if they if you can be attracting opportunities to you rather than you know we've, we've all been there we've all been a junior level seo who was not chasing every website possible because they have to get that link <laughs> they have to meet that link deadline and they have to get the amount of links that the client wants and stuff like that we've all been that person or worked with that person so if you can put yourself in a position where you're getting you know fantastic links for your clients that are really doing good things for the website doing good things in terms of the AAT and you know the the profile and the expertise of the of the person behind the site and then they start coming to you on top of that like you know that who wouldn't want that yeah. <laughs> as an SEO you know 
Absolutely. I think that wraps us up really nicely as well. Finishing off with <laughs> the dream, mission accomplished, right? The dream. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's literally like, you know, where do you go from there? But, but you know, there's no reason why anybody can't do that as part of their mm. SEO strategy. It's tied to me point, you know, yeah. and it, it's one of those things where, you know, there's lots of people who I've seen lots, of, especially where, you know, I've been part of Women in Tech SEO for a long time now. And I was, you know, in one of the first people who joined in with their mentor and, and stuff like this. And I mean, the girl that I mentored at the time was a junior level SEO in an agency. Now she's running her own uh, agency. She's got people working for her. She speaks Amazing. to Brighton SEO. And, you know, it's there's just no reason why why everybody can't do that. Do you know what mm. I mean? There's no reason why. If that's your dream, if you were like, I would much rather work for myself and ads can work anywhere in the world. I mean, you know, I said to you when we started here, it's SEO is, is, is it's a hard job. It's a hard job mentally. A lot of, a lot of we work from home. We're not around people all the time. It's, you know, you, you've got somebody's business in your hands. The decisions you make can literally make or break that business. So. If you want to use that knowledge to build your own business, um, whether that be working with clients or something like an affiliate site, that can literally give you the physical freedom to work from anywhere, mm. to be able to have that balance to enjoy your life as well as have this kind of high stress level. Um, <laughs> why wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? Why wouldn't yeah, you do definitely. it? Yeah. Well, there we go, folks. That is a lot of information <laughs> thrown at you about digital PR, how it can benefit you and your SEO efforts. So, Jenny, if people do want to get in contact with you, how can they best find you on the internet? Well, you'll probably see us uh, writing more things about digital PR and all of that kind of stuff on Ahrefs and uh, Deepcrawl and, and places like this. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, um, SEO with Jenny. Your website is SEO with Jenny. It's easy to remember. <laughs> anyway, SEO with Jenny. I appreciate the branding. Nice and, nice and straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Well, that's it. Well, do you know what it is, though? Because obviously my my surname um, is hard for a lot of people to pronounce. So I was like, if, I, if I'm like JennyAbrobuyer.com, I wouldn't get Jenny. How do you spell? I, I wonder how you'd you have to buy that all of the domains you know? that have all of the U's and the O's and the variants yeah, and stuff. Ex yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so it's just like SEO. Jenny's nice and simple, easy to remember. Perfect. So yeah, that's me on Twitter and and my website and all the rest of it. So yeah, if you if anyone wants to chat about digital PR, I'll 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 be happy to talk very arrow. Excellent. Well, links for that, <laughs> listeners, will be in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. There'll be links to the articles we've talked about, whether that's on HF, Steep Crawl, all the stuff Jenny's been writing, links to the website and links to your Twitter as well. So head to the show notes and you'll find everything you need to know about Jenny Abuabaya. <laughs> so thank you, Jenny, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure to have a chat and uh, finally talk about some digital PR and, and delve into the, the different ideas and different sides of it and all that kind of thing. So Thank you very much for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yes, thank you for thank you for having us. It's been absolutely lovely to talk about you. And like I say, I'm 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 always happy to to get on my soapbox and sell how much every essay you needs to use digital PR. So so yeah, so it's no, it's been lovely to and it's lovely to get to talk about it rather than just write about it and be a little yeah. face in the corner as the author. So <laughs> so yes, it's it's very nice. <laughs> And that wraps us up for this week. Thank you once again to Jenny Abuabaya for joining me on the show. 
absolute pleasure to learn a little bit more about digital PR and how it can benefit our SEO efforts. So if you are interested and you do work in SEO or PBC and you'd like to come on the show, please do hit me up. Again, links for all of that are in the show notes as always. And next week's guest will be the one and only Luce Rawlings. You may recognize Luce's name because we've talked about her on the show before. She is in fact one of the data journalists over at Systrix, as well as a freelance SEO consultant in her own right as well. We will be diving into a lot of very interesting data from Systrix with Luce's unique insight from being on the inside and working on their data journalism team. And we'll also be talking about some career things for SEO as well. Basically how to carve out your career path in SEO. And it's going to be a very interesting conversation. So please do tune in next week for my chat with Luce Rawlings, all about carving out your SEO career path and a lot of interesting data from Systrix as well. Until then, thank you much for listening and have a lovely week.